Hey, Foxy listeners. This time last year, we dropped an episode on Valentine's Day that we think is still very relevant and important for those of us who are negotiating non-traditional relationships. So we thought we'd run it again. If you are new to the show, enjoy. If you're a long-time listener, stick with it. We think it's a good reminder. Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about... I'm curious about... I'm curious about... I'm curious about... I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationships. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant and subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships evolve with people as they grow and change? Before we jump into this conversation, I just need to make a note. My audio during my conversation with Effie wasn't great. And when we say change the noise, (laughs) that's not what we mean. Instead, I am dealing with a few tech issues, but we are working it out. But we did not want to rob you of this conversation and this content. So hopefully you can let us slide on the audio for this one and really just listen for the conversation. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Curious Folks podcast. For those challenging the status quo in love, sex, and relationships. My name is Effie Blue. And I'm Jacqueline Misla. And today, we're talking about couples privilege and the experience of auxiliary partners. So before we delve into that, I just want to name that we've had yet another of my favorite, and I say favorite, I say that with rolling eyes, (laughs) favorite holiday, Valentine's Day. Mm Mm-hmm. You love you some Valentine's Day. (laughs) I have so many problems with Valentine's Day. It's almost cliche how much I dislike this holiday. (laughs) Just what it does to our society, to our understanding of relationships, about love. And I find it so destructive that I just really want about it almost every year. And now that I have a platform like this, <laughs> try to stop me, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if you want to hear Effie's full, first of all, your full dig down deep into the history of Valentine's Day, then all of your opinions about Valentine's Day. And then actually we snuck in some strategies for how you can celebrate uh, Valentine's Day if you're in non-monogamous relationships. Then go to episode 59 of our podcast because you're going to get your fill. You're going to get all of the Valentine's critique that you can handle. So here's the thing. Like I want to make, I want to make a a nuanced note here, uh, if I may, since this is a podcast platform, I hopefully can. So the original, again, jump back onto episode 59 to understand the origins of of Valentine's Day. Here's the thing. The origins of Valentine's Day is so me. It's like the poetry and and ritual and and almost, almost dancing naked in the woods, you know, as a part of this special day. Like the origins of it is just that, just, I love the idea of it. I love it. I really do wish we had those pagan St. Valentine's Day um, Mm -hmm. celebrations. Then count me in all day, every day. I'll be at the front of the the pride (laughs) walk for it. However, Valentine's Day as of today just sucks it is so Mm -hmm. 
sterile and cliche and predictable and boring and entirely commercial mm-hmm. that it, it adds to my annoyance with it because the roots of it is just sounds so awesome. And then you look at it today, you're like, come on, everyone. That, that defines so much, so many things that had such promise at some point. And know, then we've right? destroyed it. Right? It's just, come on. I don't know. I, I, I feel very strongly about it. But what about you? What did you do on Valentine's Day? I didn't really do anything. I So I bought candy for the people in my life because mm-hmm. that's the thing you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did that. I was not with my partner for Valentine's. So I hid the candy in my drawer. And then that morning I say, like, happy Valentine's. Look in my drawer. So it was like surprise candy. And then for my wife and daughter, I just like put it on the table. I'm like, happy Valentine's Day. There's some candy. That's it. Well, actually, no, that's not true. Then in the morning, I made heart-shaped pancakes for my daughter. But that's Aww. that's really our commitment to celebrate all of the holidays in big ways. Like we want mm-hmm. as much celebration and wonder and joy in our life as possible. So mm-hmm. we try to make a bigger deal out of holidays and non-holidays. So that was mm-hmm. what that was about more than my love for Valentine's Day. But that's it. There was nothing else nice. Valentine's-y about it. Nice. Yeah, I just sat around, sulked, and just got annoyed by this was happening around me, to be honest. I'll be honest with you. That's kind of what I do these days. I'm sure lots of people did that, actually. No, I mean, even with like multiple partners, I'm just like, that. Day, not today. Like, I'm not celebrating anybody, anything. With any of you. Any of you. Just no. Not today. Come back another day. <laughs> Is where I funny. find myself year after year. These days, just like annoyed and grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> generally annoyed and grumpy at it. Is You're just I like walking it. around, like yelling at him, at things, and just like, yeah, I can, I can imagine. I, I'm glad yes. that I'm not spending Valentine's Day <laughs> with you ever. Yeah. Right, but any other day, I'm like the funnest person to have around, you know. But not on Valentine's <laughs> not Day. I'm just, just want to kick people's shins. And let me add to this, just to add to my annoyance with Valentine's Day. It's one of those days when couple privilege and hierarchy in relationships are most pronounced and felt consciously or subconsciously by pretty much everyone, right? People who are couples, people who are not couples, people who are single or solo poly or secondary partners and secondary throwing secondary partners with air quotes out there. It's like just to add insult to injury that you also have this like, Valentine's Day just like comes and like disrupts everything as far as I'm concerned. So honestly, transparently, I'm interested in this conversation as well, because I've only, I wouldn't say I've only known it, but mainly known couples privilege from being a part of the couple mm-hmm. and have unintentionally, well, sometimes intentionally, not intentionally in a bad way, not, not intentionally <laughs> like on purpose, but like intentionally because I was thinking about my my core relationship and not thinking about my metamor or my partner's mm-hmm. auxiliary partner. Like I have I have put in positions and I've put in rules in my day. There has been a guideline or two in my relationship, an agreement or such. Uh And so I know that you have had much more experience within being an auxiliary partner. I think I had very limited at one point I dated somebody and on our first date, they told me all the things that Mm -hmm. we could and could not do. We could not go to a concert together. We could not hang out on Sunday afternoons. There there was a nice little list. And I was like, okay. Um, But that was really it. And so I I would like to know more and be better and continue to self-reflect. And so I'm excited about this conversation for that purpose. 
Sure. Yeah, I've definitely tried all different combinations to what they feel like. And I've spent a, a considerable amount of time as auxiliary partners in different relationships. And, you know, I've, I've got experience and I can definitely talk to that. I feel like we should just start from the beginning, right? So let's talk about couples privilege and even step back even further to really zoom out and look at privilege. Like what is what is privilege exactly, right? So privilege is about how society accommodates you, essentially. It is your lifestyle, your choices, the way that you show up just seems to flow with society's expectation of the norm. Again, I'm throwing the norm up in up in air quotes, right? It is all about uh, the advantages that you think are normal, right? Because you are deemed to be normal. Okay, so that's kind of what privilege is. What it isn't, right, is it's not really about you. Right? It's, it's awarded to you. It's not your fault. It's not anything that you've done or thought or said, right? And also, just because you have privilege, it doesn't mean you're taking advantage of it or you're cheating or that you are imposing your privilege on anybody else. Privilege is not inherently bad. It just, it really just, it is, right? When that is applied to couples, and you have couple privilege, it's essentially the advantages that an established couple has over other relationships or single folks. That's really helpful. And that makes sense to me. I think what I'm hearing you say is that privilege is not something extra that you get, which is often what people say is that they did not have a privileged life. And I think what they mean is they didn't have an inheritance. They didn't have easy access to their father's IT company. But what I'm hearing you say is, Privilege is just about society designing something around you, around your straightness, around your mm-hmm. cis- cisness, around your whiteness, around your monogamousness. And it's not anything right. that you have to do. Mm-hmm. It just in being, because you are naturally a part of the majority, the design exactly. is designed around you. Exactly, exactly. That society bends to your will without mm-hmm. really putting up too much of a fight is, is, mm-hmm. is really what it is. And when it's applied to couples, it is just the way the society prioritizes couples in its hierarchy. Mm-hmm. The important thing about privilege that it is it is awarded, right? It is awarded and it is a, it is a, actually a passive label, if you will, as opposed to hierarchy, right? Which is mm. enforced, right? Mm-hmm. By those at the top of the pyramid, Right. Mm -hmm. So hierarchy is not inherent in privilege, but it does show up in relationships. Mm -hmm. Yes. And couple privilege is often talked about in the context of hierarchical relationship and the secondary partner, because it's most pronounced when a new person is added to an existing relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. The struggle can begin when the couple privilege and the, the advantages of couple privilege are used to hold power after other partners, right? And that's when hierarchy and couple privilege kind of have different experiences. Mm-hmm. And it's, honestly, that's the majority of the time, frankly, when we're talking about non-monogamy. Many times we're talking about the couple opening up, the experience mm-hmm. of the couple opening up, the jealousy that happens within that couple and all those other pieces. Even talking about the metamor as the other person who is a part of it and not necessarily... So, it makes sense in what you're describing. And actually, I think what I'm hearing too is the distinction. So for example, within my situation, within my relationships, my privilege with my wife is that we have healthcare, for example, mm-hmm. right? That is just given to us by the law as a result mm-hmm. of us being married. My partner and I don't have that privilege, 
because mm-hmm. that is not what society has designed around us. Mm-hmm. And then with hierarchy, my partner coming into the relationship with, you know, once I was with my wife, there were certain things like we spend, my wife and I spend Christmas together that week, or we go every week mm-hmm. away for, you know, to a warm place in the winter time, or mm-hmm. those things are fixed. And she has to adjust around, around those things. Mm-hmm. That's, that's an indication of some hierarchy versus privilege from what I understand. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. And I think this, this shows up in like other relationships, right? You, you have a daughter and I mm-hmm. assume yes. that, that, that relationship is a privileged one and is hierarchically mm-hmm. at the top of the totem pole. Yes. So it doesn't necessarily have to be only in romantic relationships. Relationships. Yeah, I think it's worth just understanding privilege and hierarchy, and then kind of reflecting on it without a value judgment, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and saying like, how are you handling it? And if whether people in it agree, agree or suffer and are oppressed mm-hmm. by it, is really what's what we're discussing here, rather than saying privilege is bad, hierarchy is bad, you know, and you stop it all, right? right. That's definitely not what we're saying here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I agree with you. Right. There's nothing wrong with any, with any particular form of relationship construct, as long as the folks in it are happy and thriving. And the moment that is not the case is when we are offering up some suggestions and alternatives to consider. Exactly. Exactly. And also hierarchy, like, you know, we talked about your relationship with your daughter, right? That kind Mm -hmm. of has a, has a natural hierarchy, right? Which, and here it's, it's worth just taking a second to talk about different types of hierarchy. There's like descriptive hierarchy, right? And descriptive hierarchy are relationships naturally have a level of closeness in different categories, right? So you could be more emotionally connected with a partner. You could be co-parenting with a partner. There's an sort of inherent hierarchy that mm-hmm. is kind of natural, So in my case, that sounds like that would mean my wife and I own a home together. Mm -hmm. And so, and that existed before my partnership, Mm -hmm. my other partnership. And so as a result of that, there are financial ties, there are asset Mm -hmm. ties, there Mm -hmm. are lots of commitments that are natural in Mm -hmm. that dynamic as a result of that, that I imagine have some imposition unknowingly or knowingly for my partner. Exactly, exactly. I think you also hit the nail on the head, right? Descriptive hierarchies are often built around commitments mm. and not necessarily rules. I think mm-hmm. that is the important piece. So you have commitment because you have shared finances with your wife, you have certain commitments which are gonna be prioritized over something else. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Again, same with co parenting. Like that relationship is just gonna trump others because of your commitment. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's really real for me. I, I finances, we've, we've, we did a show on money mm-hmm. and finances is something that I continue to think about and struggle with, but that is something that comes up continually in my, in our relationships because I cohabitate in two different places. And so I share expenses in two different places, mm-hmm. but the majority of my income goes to my primary household, if you will, my, mm-hmm. my house that I own with my wife. Mm-hmm. And that's also where my daughter lives. So there's lots of expenses to be had just mm-hmm. because of her. And so there, there is not an equal proportion, if you will, of money being mm-hmm. spent. <laughs> exactly. Lots mm-hmm. of snacks. We're going to get a puppy soon. And yeah. so there's going to be lots of money there as well. I am I so excited about your puppy. <laughs> and yes, excited. puppies are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of money that goes there. And then I, that's part of why I work so much is because I recognize mm-hmm. in my own mind, no one said this to me. In my mind, I'm like, my day job has to afford this household. And so I need to work extra to be able to afford that household. Mm. And so there's a, a, a conversation that I've had in my head that has resulted then in 
different structures, different mm-hmm. me working more, different commitments, and, I'm, mm-hmm. and it, it creates tension on both ends. So just mm-hmm. naming the existence of what this looks like in real mm-hmm. life, it is messy and complicated, mm-hmm. and sometimes yucky feeling. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And I think this is, you know, I feel like when you are in a non-monogamous relationship, you know, we talk a lot about this idea of like a dimly lit room, right? You can, you go from a, a dimly lit room to a, a stadium sized spotlights on a relationship mm-hmm. where there's just more of everything, more need for communication, more complication, more negotiation, more yes. conflict, as yes. well as more love, more connection, more of fun, course. more adventure. Obviously, yes. and that more is like across the board from from both both ends of the spectrum, fun and games, all the way to doom and gloom. Yes, yes, yes. And so let me let me take a second because I'm talking about it for, again from my end as being mm-hmm. part of a couple, but from the perspective of my of my partner, it is disappointing that we can't get married. It is disappointing mm-hmm. that there is not extra uh, funding available for us to do certain things because my mm-hmm. money is tied up in other places. Like there are things that because of the way it is inherent in the structure of my marriage mm-hmm. that is a forced imposition on my relationship with her that then means that she has to live with that and adjust to it and, mm-hmm. and become okay with it if she wants to stay in partnership and that's really, ch- I, I have sat in the pain of that. And I understand mm-hmm. how challenging that is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we talked a lot about descriptive um, hierarchy. There's also prescriptive hierarchy, right? That structure, prescriptive hierarchical structure is often governed by rules and often rules of the couple over the other people, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, a, it, it's dictated upon. And mm-hmm. also prescriptive hierarchies is where we start to start to use language of primary and secondary relationship to mark the difference in between relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're kind of um, dictating the structure of all of the dynamics, right? You kind yes. of, instead of thinking as a constellation, you're putting it as a like list. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I can think of some examples of that. Certainly. I think when my, my partner was with, with uh, dating somebody else, there were conversations around fluid exchange, for example. Mm -hmm. And we certainly had couples privilege in that way. And that was not something, at least in the beginning, that felt comfortable somewhere else or certain days of the week, like not being able to see somebody right before they saw me and those, Mm -hmm. and those were things that then were imposed upon that other Mm -hmm. relationship based on Mm -hmm. our agreements and commitments that were very prescriptive right that was that was just that was not just natural we sat down had the conversation i'm sure that i was the one who brought some of those things up and was like hey in the beginning this would make me feel more comfortable and then that was a conversation that she had to have with the person that she was seeing and they Mm -hmm. had to adjust to that so yeah 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 i mean often you hear things like i mean when i work with couples and they're at the beginning of their journey they'll say things like i want to meet the person you're dating Mm -hmm. you're dating somebody you know after three dates i want to meet them and then the conversation very much gets focused on should they meet, how they meet, and all that kind of stuff. And at some point, I find myself almost unanimously across the board stopping and, and realize, like, you do have to ask the other person. You do have mm. to ask if they want to meet you. And, mm. you know, before you go before you go down deep into, like, what is it going to look like? How are you going to feel? Should you? When should you? Like, what should you talk about? Before you do any of that, you need to ask the other person, like, do, do you want to meet my yeah. primary partner, my other partner, my nesting partner, whatever whatever the, the conversation is, right? Yeah. So this is one of those, like, couple privilege, being blind to the other person being a, you know, the other person being a fully 
flesh and blood person and not an extra in your, you know, in your show yes. to kind of think, okay, well, you know, we need to ask that person what, how they want to handle this. Right. Yes. Yes. Can we, yeah. I want to pause it for a second. Cause I think that is a hundred percent right. Two things stand out for me. Number one, this idea that the couple is the protagonist and that these other folks are just like characters in their story. Right. Not even characters, like extras. <laughs> right, exactly. And so mm-hmm. we define all the things and you are your script is written based on our story. Yeah. And that lens then does not, to your point, see them as a full human being. Right. Um, and I and I think what actually is, is is challenging is when a couple is opening up, which is often mm-hmm. how we're talking about non-monogamy, there is probably some impetus to that. Unless both folks have naturally always felt non-monogamous and now they're mm-hmm. finally comfortable saying it, there has been either a lag in their sexual activity, there's, mm-hmm. a, a, there's a distinction between how one person wants to be social or date or flirt and the other person, but the, there's some some gap that is, mm. needs to be filled. And often then folks are looking for someone to fill that gap, that sex gap, mm. that kink gap, that romantic mm. gap. And then is that, does that mean that the auxiliary partner is, is broken down to just that little piece, just mm-hmm. a little puzzle piece that's fitting into my life and my relationship and not like a whole human being who actually has mm-hmm. their own needs and wants and desires for a relationship. You know, exactly. The, the the people are not need fulfillment machines, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes when people are opening up, um, they get so f- focused on w- their experience. They don't, like you said, they don't think of the other person as a person with their own life, but see like, oh, there is this need um, within our relationship and we're going to use this person to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. And that is it. Uh, and I think yes. that could definitely be you know, one of the struggles. And I love that, you know, we, we already start using the, the term auxiliary partner, right? Which is something that I've been using my practice for years now. I find the secondary tertiary language to be problematic Mm. because it assumes hierarchy where there is an inherent hierarchy unless it is agreed upon, right? Mm. Just because I am talking to a couple and I might, when we might be talking about their other partner, by calling it secondary, I am assuming automatic hierarchy, Mm -hmm. which there doesn't need to be. Uh, hierarchy and I think when we have language that automatically offers a specific dynamic then it's very hard for us to think about it in any other term right mm-hmm. and that's why I've started talking about I start talking about the other relationship as auxiliary relationships which speaks more to the the constellation mm-hmm. than to the, the the value order of people yes right? yes yes so an auxiliary partner just means oh this is the core partner often a couple Mm-hmm. Sure, that is the couple privilege, right? And then there is an auxiliary partner that fits to the structure from the from the outside, mm-hmm. and there is no inherent value judgment there or or value order there. And then all these people, three people, four people, whomever, can think through what the design of this relationship is going to look like without necessarily mm-hmm. being top down. Yes, right. They can redesign it so that it doesn't feel that way. Or yeah, it makes me think of the the episode that we did last week with Dr. Uh, Professor David Buss and talking about how we categorize people. You're an eight, you're a seven. Now mm-hmm. you have a better job. You're a nine and mm-hmm. our desire to put people into, into hierarchy. And mm-hmm. so it seems similar to that in that we are specifically naming this is what that structure looks like and as a result you are secondary to that Mm -hmm. person who is primary where the language shift that you're recommending is auxiliary and core has to do with defining the relationship and not the person i like that a lot exactly exactly and i think i think it's important again this is not about 
pro or, or against privilege or hierarchy. It's just being conscious and dynamic with it and making some decisions and understanding mm. the simple dynamic that privilege is given and hierarchy is a choice mm. and mm-hmm. you get to make choices. Yes, yes, yes. And and I want to go back to what you were just saying about or what we were talking about in terms of being an extra in their story or meeting a particular need that may work for somebody, right? Like, mm-hmm. so for example, right now in my life, if somebody, I, I let's, let's just put it out there and name it. I have no time for other partnerships. <laughs> there is no bandwidth or capacity, but imagine if they were, and someone said, you know, I really just want someone to travel with and have like mm-hmm. amazing romantic sex. And, you know, oh, okay, <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. That's a, not do the bills, not help you with childcare, not like have conversations mm-hmm. around, you know, who's going to pick up the laundry. Sure. Mm-hmm. That sounds mm-hmm. great. So I imagine that there are, times when fitting a particular need or gap actually feeds everyone Mm -hmm. i think the key is having mutuality right Mm -hmm. i think if one party has needs that are not being fulfilled because they are they're just in service of this this gap Mm-hmm. I think that's when it breaks down. And I think if everyone's in alignment, like you said, your lifestyle, what you need right now happens to align or your connection, maybe, I mean, I've definitely have had people in my life that I've had, you know, intense, amazing, fun, great sexual chemistry, sexual connection with, but frankly, just wouldn't have dinner with because we just didn't mm-hmm. have anything else in common, right? Mm-hmm. This is not in any, this is not a value judgment or mm-hmm. or think of people you know, good or bad. It's just the connection is what it is. And we honor the connection and enjoy mm-hmm. our time together and respectful and kind and, you know, committing, communicative to one another. And it's okay. It works. Mm-hmm. You know, it works. Um, yeah. So just because you're doing this one thing with a certain person, it doesn't mean something is wrong with that relationship. Mm-hmm. The important piece is that there's mutuality across the board. And mutuality, not just within the relationships, right? Within the core of, of who's in those relationships, but mutuality also with the people around you. Because mm-hmm. we started off by saying that privilege exists because the culture, the norm, society creates it. So that doesn't change just because now the two, the three, the four of you have decided on a different structure. Mm-hmm. So that's a challenge. For sure. Yeah. There's still very much this idea of the real relationship right and that can that mm. m- it might not be felt within the relationship dynamics of the people but it can definitely be pointed out by other people they're outside the relationship and i think it's one of the very few times where i have really struggled in my polyamorous relationship is when i actually felt this myself personally firsthand when my partner at the time, his sister was getting married, whom I met. Uh, I, I met his sister and his sister's fiance. I actually spent a weekend together, all of us, he, his wife, myself, them. And then we emailed and, and texted after that and stayed in, in somewhat of a touch. And then when they were planning a wedding, they decided that it was going to be family only. And they had asked... Uh, so my partner at the time had actually said, yeah, guess what? They're getting, they set a date, they're getting married and, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be in the UK and, and kind of gave me the dates. And then, you know, a few days later, he had to come in and be like, hey, listen, you know about that wedding? So they want to keep it to family only. And they were very clear that it was, you know, me and my wife. And mm. that because that the, the the relationship that we had just didn't count as family and didn't wasn't validated you know and at that point we'd been dating mm. for four years wow i'd been a best ma'am at at their wedding we we're cohabiting practically cohabiting 
We're definitely living in the same building, mm -hmm. very connected. So at that time, I'd very much considered, we, we did, we like, we all considered each other as family. And yeah. it was one of those like rude awakenings or, you know, like just bumping mm -hmm. your head against the, an invisible wall when I was, you know, I was told that our relationship didn't count as family. You know, yeah. this is couples privilege. This is hierarchy. This is, but it's, it's, be, it's being applied from the outside, right? So that's another point of view to consider. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did your former partner react to that? Because that's a tough position to be in. I think he handled it considerably well, given the situation. I think what he learned from it, we all learned from it, is that we, at the time, were very much living within our bubble where we had a very supportive mm. community and a lifestyle and we just weren't expecting something like this. And and the reason why, I think where he felt, what he screwed up was without getting a confirmation that all three of us were going to the wedding, he kind of approached me and wanted to share his joy and excitement and say, mm -hmm. yay, they finally set a date mm -hmm. and say it's happening. And and I think what he learned from it is like, oh, I should have, I should have like really made sure that this was something that was available for, for all of us. And mm -hmm. I think he would have approached it differently if he knew that I wasn't going to be invited. I think we defaulted to, of course, the three of us are going because at that point, that's where, that's how our relationship was structured. Mm. He felt bad that he didn't do his due diligence but then you know again it was we were living in a situation where our relationship choices were very much supported and endorsed mm -hmm. and I personally had never come across this idea that our relationship wasn't real enough mm. until that point mm -hmm. and then, then I had that experience and at the time it sucked and then I'm lucky that the relationships are also my my work and it uh, gave me and then I kind of over time, I processed it and turned it into insight and, and a place for empathy and to be able to talk about, hey, by the way, like couple privilege and hierarchy happens from the outside. It doesn't always happen from the inside, right? So allow me to, mm -hmm, to speak mm -hmm. to that. Yeah. So let's dig into that then. That idea of, you're right, that the, the hierarchy and the decisions that are made within relationships of all mm -hmm. parties in the relationship mm -hmm. impact certainly not only the construct of that, but how people feel in that. Mm -hmm. So if you are now listening to this and saying, oh, man, I think unconsciously I really have been imposing some things. I need to do some things differently. Or if you are a partner of someone who is married or who is in a core partnership or marrying, you know, uh, engaged with a couple and, and dating a couple, you may now be hearing this and say, yes, this doesn't feel good. There mm -hmm. are things we need to talk about. So can we dig into that a little bit? What are the conversations that need to be had? What are some of the things that can be considered? For sure, yeah. I think, you know, we talked about this earlier. I think the most important piece is to realize that auxiliary partners are people, mm -hmm. not yeah. just, Absolutely. you know, extras in your story. And then they have, they need to be considered just like, just like anybody else. And I think that's really, that's really important. Yeah. I remember when Lola Jean did the threesome workshop for us mm -hmm. and that video I think is, is on our Patreon. And mm -hmm. in that conversation, she talked about that. There's so much dialogue around what the couple wants to experience mm -hmm. from the mm -hmm. third person in and that they, you know, the wildness or the this and that. And they're going to tell that person all those things. Now, unless it is a sex worker which mm -hmm. is a great way to do that. And then you can say all the things and they mm -hmm. still need to be considered what they want, what they feel you know, comfortable in their boundaries. 
but there was no dialogue in the, in the outside world about what that third person wants mm-hmm. out of the threesome. And yeah. Lola Jean kept emphasizing it. Actually, this is a co-creation between the three of you mm-hmm. and what you all want to experience together. So I, so I see it in so many different places. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called couple privilege, right? Because it's pervasive. Yeah. That's, that's, the whole, yeah. that's the whole point. I think the other piece that can be done is to really define and calibrate the availability with all parties, right? What, what does that mean? Mm. To really define the relationship and what is available in that relationship and for people to say, oh, okay, like I can subscribe to that and it's going to work for me, right? And, you know, mm. earlier you were saying, you know, I'm only available for travel and occasional texting, right? Great. Mm. You're defining something mm-hmm. and you're naming something. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Even as you're saying that, it's making me think beyond certainly availability in days and hours, mm-hmm. but availability emotionally For as sure. well. I remember when my, my partner started to date somebody else, you know, as a result of our structure, we're with each other every other week. And so she had a full week to be able to spend with mm-hmm. somebody else, but wanted some time on her own, mm-hmm. really did prioritize our relationship emotionally. And the person that she was seeing, I think, wanted more mm-hmm. emotional connection than she was willing mm-hmm. to give. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't time wasn't the barrier. She mm-hmm. just did not have the emotional availability that the other For person sure. wanted from that relationship. Yeah, I mean, bandwidth is a thing, right? Like, the, you know, bandwidth yes. is, is is all the things. It's time, energy, emotional focus, bunch of things, mm-hmm. right? I mean, what what is available is what is available. And by the way, lack of availability is not a bad thing, right? The mm-hmm. idea is not to be fully available at all times to all people. Like, we do need boundaries, mm-hmm. and and we this, this is why the idea of defining and calibrating availability rather than saying be available all the time, right? That's not, that's not the point. Lack mm-hmm. of availability is not a bad thing. And some people are looking for less availability, right? So in your case mm-hmm. with, with, with your partner, she might have actually pursued this relationship if, if it was like light and, you know, part-time and mm-hmm. like didn't really, was, was with somebody who also wasn't looking for anything deep, was looking for these like fun, casual, but familiar and safe-ish hookups mm-hmm. right maybe that relationship yes. could have gone somewhere so somebody who's looking for less availability would would have been ideal in that situation right? yes i have a friend who is uh loves her work and is really passionate about her side hustle that she's bringing up into a full business mm-hmm. and has dedicated lots of time to it and was dating someone who wanted more time and attention mm-hmm. and she realized like i know i i want to actually give it to my work i don't want to give it exactly. to you and so we were talking about it and saying i was saying non-monogamy is something that she could to consider not that she necessarily would be practicing it on her end by dating multiple people because she, she certainly mm-hmm. doesn't have the bandwidth but looking mm-hmm. for folks who maybe engaging in a really other relationship that they're not looking for more time or emotional connection mm-hmm. from more than what she has available. Exactly. I think, you know, I've shared my experience of being an auxiliary partner and what that looks for me um, in, a, in a conversation that you and I had, which is now going on Patreon. So if you want to sort of understand sort of anecdotally what it's like to be an auxiliary partner and wh- why I would choose that, you can definitely jump on the Patreon and, and listen to that. The short version of that is, is similar. Like I, I, I did not at the time wanted to be the sole, solely responsible for a relationship. So it worked for me that mm. everybody that I was dating at the time were in, you know, in committed primary relationships, and and the responsibility of that fullness of a relationship was met somewhere else. 
it, it really worked for me at the time. Right. I did. I felt like I didn't want that response. Mm, and you had the fun bits. <laughs> exactly. That I was on vacation, vacation relationships all the time, which is great. I think the most important thing here is yeah. that you need to be clear, honest, and don't overpromise. I think that is the key, mm. right? The idea is not that you need to be available fully to everybody at all times, but you need to be clear about your availability, time, energy, attention, you know, libido, whatever um, tracks are important to you is to be clear, be mm. honest with the other person and realize, you know, just because you don't have full availability, it doesn't mean that they're going to run away, right? Sometimes people aren't clear about their availability because they feel like it's going to put the other person off. You're actually better off mm-hmm. stating it earlier in the process so they can they can make informed decisions, right? And you do want to mm-hmm. align on this with somebody rather than you don't want to be with somebody who thinks that there's more available than than there is, right? It's going to cause trouble down the line. And just don't overpromise, mm-hmm. right? You're better off building a relationship one brick at a time than saying this is where we're going to get to or this is what's available, right? You know your, you know your cap because you have other agreements, but don't overpromise. Like just be clear, be honest and take it one brick at a time. On all ends, on all ends, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, if you're the auxiliary partner, getting really clear on what it is that you want and having that conversation mm-hmm. is really important. And I would I even add to that, al- allowing for evolution of those things, mm-hmm. but communicating those evolutions. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I, there are so many people that I've seen who enter into non-monogamous dating relationships and they're saying, well, I'm just dating around. So it's fine. Like you can be with other, date other people. You're, I'm mm-hmm. dating other people. And then there's an emotional connection. Mm-hmm. And now I want more than actually mm-hmm. I first said I wanted it to be light, but now I don't want it to light. I want it to mm-hmm. be more serious. But that person was very clear with me. They were only mm-hmm. available to light. And I've I've observed that honestly, the the one of the women that my partner dated, that was happening. And and I could see that struggle of her wanting more and more mm-hmm. from the relationship. And my mm-hmm. partner just became more and more distant, which then <laughs> it was a cycle that then she wants more and more attention and time mm-hmm. and connection. So naming the evolution of that, because when mm-hmm. my partner named it with her, she was saying, no, I'm still light. It's fun. It's great. But clearly that wasn't the case, right? Like mm-hmm. her behavior was, was indicating that she wanted more. So how mm-hmm. can everybody be really clear, mm-hmm. know that it'll evolve and make sure to talk about what it is sure. that you need? Yes. I think also going back to the thing that we say all the time, which is to know thyself, right? So if you mm-hmm. if you know that you're monogamous and you're dating around, but you just happen to be dating somebody who's who's polyamorous or in an open relationship or non-monogamous, you need to check in with yourself and say, can I continue to date, right? Sometimes people are non-monogamous because they don't have the capacity. And this is not a value judgment, just they, they, they don't want to use the bandwidth to have multiple relationships or they feel like they can't nurture more than one connection, that they are truly monogamous right so if you're somebody who's truly monogamous and you're dating around and you happen to connect with somebody who's polyamorous you should know that about yourself that you might not continue to date and find a relationship going forward that you might get stuck in this connection Mm -hmm. where there is not the availability that you're looking for right if it's okay for you to continue to date continue to have make new connections continue to nurture these relationships and you know keep thriving in the rest of your life great if you find yourself in a relationship with somebody and you aren't able to meet the the needs that are not met in that relationship elsewhere and it's causing you pain mm-hmm. and suffering, mm-hmm. it's probably not the right structure for you. 
Yeah. I love the what you just said around having those things met elsewhere. People don't need to be in multiple relationships to have their needs met, right? We sure. friendship is such an important relationship. We yes. did that. We did a whole episode on friendship. Yes. That counts too. Mm-hmm. Being having rich friendships, having a career or a passion that you're that you love and involved with, loving to spend time with yourself. There's so many ways in which we can mm-hmm. feed ourselves outside of romantic partnership or sexual relationships. Mm-hmm. And so if if you're bucket is full yes that's great Mm -hmm. and if there's some gaps that you're looking for again just name it that that's all that's all we're saying just know it just name it exactly so another way to design around privilege and hierarchy is to consciously decide how you want to treat everyone involved in the relationship and remain in integrity of those decisions regardless of how the core relationship is going right yeah so so talk me through that some more a good example would be this idea of like which relationship is going to get saved slash fixed, right? So often in situations where maybe there's a couple and one of the couple is dating somebody else or they have an auxiliary partner and the core relationship struggles for whatever reason. And in an effort to save it, the auxiliary relationships get cut, right? There's too much pressure from the, you know, the people are feeling insecure because of that. And then so there's a decision always made. The default decision is always to save the core relationship, the couple relationship, even at the expense of auxiliary relationships that might actually be doing well. Yes, yes, I'm guilty of that. After I found out about my wife's emotional infidelity, there was absolutely a a period of request to say, please do not see that person. Please limit Mm -hmm. your time. And then over time, it, you know, once a month, once every two weeks, once a week, like it started to, but that, that ask was completely focused on me, Mm -hmm. my needs and our relationship Mm -hmm. and had, had zero I had zero thought about what mm-hmm. my metamor was feeling and experiencing, which mm-hmm. now I would do differently. That was mm-hmm. kind of, you know, baby Polly, Jackie. Mm-hmm. Look at you now doing a podcast on polyamory. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's true. It's true. Yeah. So but funny. the that idea of we're you need to stop seeing that other person or you need to see them less that that person is a person. And I've even heard more than that. You know, I've, I've, I've talked to folks who feel like when the core relationship is struggling, the auxiliary partner should observe that and back away to allow mm. the core relationship to be healed. And when mm. that doesn't happen, there's not only a frustration with the partner, but often there's a, a frustration with the auxiliary partner mm-hmm. saying they don't respect us enough to not mm-hmm. be involved and to 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 back off and that mm-hmm. framing is very much their their character in our story as opposed to mm-hmm. thinking about what the experience for them is yeah absolutely something came up the other day in a session that i it was insightful for everyone non-monogamy is not necessarily the opposite of monogamy right they actually kind of very different structures there aren't the exact opposite of one another even though the language kind of stipulates that it does non-monogamy is a different way of thinking, being, acting, perceiving relationships and dynamics and values and feelings. So it's not just a matter of, oh, over here in monogamy, we don't fuck other people. Hi, guys, over here mm. in non-monogamy, we fuck other people, right? It's, it's, it's just right, not that right. simple, right? So I think it's important to realize, like, if you are swimming in the non-monogamous waters, you're in a different environment. You need to examine 
pretty much everything. You know, you need to examine your relationship with time, about attention, about safety and security. It's really helpful to examine, for example, um, whether you're community minded or not. Right. It really mm-hmm. is helpful if you're a community minded person that is going to help you, you know, when you're swimming in the non-monogamous waters. And if you're somebody who's more of a personal thinker, right, if you sort of put, put mm-hmm. the person or the unit first versus, you know, have this idea of a community. You know, it's one of the reasons why we mm-hmm. say to people when you're opening up your relationship, community matters, not only because you want the support of the community and not only because you want to be with like-minded people and learn from them, but also to cultivate a community mindset and realize that Mm -hmm. if you're monogamous and if you're dating, you know, if there's two of you and then you're dating some other people and at some point what you have here is a micro community that you're managing. Mm -hmm. It's really worth thinking about um, non-monogamy in a more expansive way than Hey, over here, we don't fuck other people. Hey, over here, we fuck other people. And, you know, it's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's hard to do this. Mm-hmm. We can say it really easily. I could mm-hmm. stand here on this podcast and say it is hard. Mm-hmm. I remember when, after I got married, it was our honeymoon. And my wife said, well, I, I want to make sure to build in some time to connect with my partner not here. And I would, first of all, I was floored. I was disgusted. I was just Mm -hmm. like, what? Like, how could that be? Like, Mm -hmm. it should be about me and us. And like, oh, Mm -hmm. right. Many years later, now that I have uh, a a partner that that I'm deeply committed to, I get it. At the time, Mm -hmm. I was shocked and appalled. I was absolutely saying, no, no time. No, you can't do that because it hurt. Mm-hmm. The idea of them talking hurt. And so I just because we're saying, oh, make sure you consider everybody and like mm-hmm. make sure you consider everyone's needs. And it, yes, do that. Yes. that is Because mm-hmm. I think it'll make things a little like that framing may help in your decision making. But mm-hmm. it is not easy to do that. And no. it's not easy to be the person who is trying to navigate that. I, I have been on vacation myself trying to figure out how can I connect with my partner in a way that doesn't feel distracting or disrespectful. Or So in all spaces and places, I've been you know, in this pattern and it's not easy in any of the ways. For me, For at sure. least, I'm sure there are many people out there that it is easy. I'm not there yet, mm-hmm. but I'm building the muscle. That's the, I'm just mm-hmm. thoughtful about it and I just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And then I build a muscle for it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, and you know, it's not, relationships are hard, period. Uh, Non-monogamy requires more work because there are more people and more relationships, period. Uh, Non-monogamy requires us to swim against the status quo because of privilege and how society is structured. And we just talked a bunch about that, right? So the conditions are hard for sure, which is one of the reasons why you need to be super clear to why you are going down this path. What is it that you're Mm -hmm. trying to create? What is it that you're working towards? Why put up with all the stuff? Why the extra effort, right? Why do the work to become more emotionally flexible um, and sort of be open to expansion and growth, right? All this stuff is like pain, hardship. Like you need Mm -hmm. to be clear to why you're doing this. And that is is what's going to get you through. That is what's going to make you examine that stuff and make different decisions even though it's not the obvious prescription that's given to you Mm -hmm. 
And in that, I think there's a level of ownership once you do that thought, because Absolutely. one of the things that I've, I've seen experienced in folks that I've coached as well is when one person is creating more of the, I was going to say rules, um, agreement. Well, I don't know if they're agreements. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it may be mm-hmm. more like rules in the beginning. And the other mm-hmm. person has agreed to live with that. The mm-hmm. way in which they are communicating that to the auxiliary mm-hmm. partner is mm-hmm. also really important because it's not just Absolutely. mutually agreeing to something. Once you agree to mm-hmm. it, you got to own that thing. Right, exactly. Because it's an agreement and it's a commitment and it is not something that you just pass on from your from one partner to another. Right. So for example, if you and your partner love going to the beach, and one day your auxiliary partner says, let's go to the beach. But that is a, an agreement that you have made and agreed to, that the beach is sacred space for, for you two in your relationship. If you said, oh, I would love to go with you, but my wife won't let me. Like, she's not going to be happy about us going. So we got to pick something else. I, you know, I'm sorry about that. But that's an agreement that we had. That's not the best way <laughs> to communicate mm. that message. Doesn't take ownership. It is creating now a rift between the two metamors. Not the best strategy. No, it breeds animosity. It's also immature, and I don't mean that in a in a value judgment way, but immature in terms of like, oh, my husband won't let me, or my wife won't let me. Right? We are adults mm-hmm. in adult relationships with with autonomy over our lives. Right? You're agreeing to a request. Right. You're not a child Mm -hmm. and not someone's giving you permission to do something that if you agreed, then you agreed as two adults that had a common thought and a commitment in in between. And you both subscribe to that. And that's where you that's where you stand. So you need to be able to sustain integrity of that from your own stance rather than get this, you know, get to a place where like, yeah, my wife won't let me, my my husband won't let me, my partner Mm -hmm. won't let me. Right. That's that's an immature Mm -hmm. way of thinking about things. Yes, yes, yes. And so the alternative then is either don't name that agreement or boundary and just suggest something else. Oh, instead of the beach, why don't we go to the amusement park? I think that would be so much fun. We can go to a water park together. Mm-hmm. Just change it something else or say, you know, honestly, the beach is a sacred space for us. And so let's find some some other place and some other way of of enjoying the summer that feels unique to you and I. Let's create mm-hmm. some spaces together that feel good for us. And in mm-hmm. both of those ways, you're owning it in that you are not blaming your partner for any of the restrictions that may exist within the partnership. Exactly. And and you're not breeding the sort of this contentious um, dynamic you know, which you don't want to come up and bite you on the ass down the line. Yeah. And it puts, it puts one person in power, right? I remember mm-hmm. when my, my partner was dating somebody and there were some, we had some guidelines around like fluid exchange and, and some of the toys that could be used and things like that. And it sounded like the person who she was with wanted to do some of the things. And I believe that my partner, my partner said, you know, I can't, but I, let me ask. Mm-hmm. Let me ask to see if that's something that we can do, right? Mm-hmm. So now that puts me in a position of power mm-hmm. to like say yes or say no. And like mm-hmm. people are going to get mad and sad because I said yes or said no. So like mm-hmm. that's that's like I become a villain in the story. But I also be, that power then demonstrates to me like, oh, I get to I now own the show and I get to right. map out what the story looks like. Right. 
I think, and I think this sort of kicks back to this idea of a descriptive hierarchy and a prescriptive hierarchy. I think really understanding those and looking at looking at it from a place of commitment and agreement rather than dictatorship and rules, right? That's kind of where we come back to uh, and realize, okay, here's what I've committed to and here's how I, how I uphold my commitments and state integrity is a way to think about it rather than saying, well, here are the rules. So we have to, I mean, I'm only allowed to do this and we have to do that and not the other. Mm-hmm. Another way that people kind of yield that power of, of hierarchy and privilege is when they think about meeting the auxiliary partner. If that's the case, you need to think about a few things. One, it's not really just up to you. So I, I hear just from a coaching point of view, I hear a lot of conversations around whether one of the core partners should meet the auxiliary partner, what should it look like, when, you know, what they want out of it. At no point, they actually kind of stop to say, I wonder if they want to meet me, right? Or <laughs> yeah. do they do they want to meet mm-hmm. me at all, right? And the other piece is, what are your intentions when you want to meet this person? For example, are you meeting this per- person because you are genuinely curious and looking for a connection and you want to get to know this person and, and kind of allow you to have more space and tolerance for that relationship? Is that why you're meeting them? Or are you meeting them because you want to mark your territory and check them out and exert control and kind of get mm-hmm. territorial? And and from the outside, it can look like, you know, smiles and everyone being cordial from the outside. But I think it's really important to be really clear about your intention of going there. I think that that is really important, that it's not some sort of a, a veiled power play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at the end of the day, we continue to find ourselves back to where we always find ourselves, which is first, you need to know yourself. Mm-hmm. Know thyself. Know thyself. Right. Know what it is that you want anywhere that you are in that constellation of that relationship. Know what it is that you want. Communicate that thing in the beginning, up front, as it's evolving. Be respectful of everyone and, and recognize that you are not the protagonist in the story, that everyone actually is a main character. Mm-hmm. And then own the decisions. Mm-hmm. Own the decisions that have been made. Don't put that on somebody else. Don't blame it on the relationship. If it is really mutually agreed upon, then own that and have those conversations also with integrity. Ultimately, you can't choose your privilege, but you can choose how you treat people. So be kind and considerate people. If you want to share your story or question about couples privilege, hierarchy, or auxiliary relationships, then come to the Facebook group. That is the place where we're going to have conversations after the podcast about how we feel about it, what this looks like in real life, what folks can do. So check out the Facebook group at We Are Curious Foxes. You can also use at We Are Curious Foxes to find us on Instagram and on Patreon. Make sure to follow us and like us there, as well as right here, wherever you're listening to us in this moment, that app, press follow, press like, press share, leave a rating, any of the things that can allow us to continue to share our message and expand out all of the storytelling that we do. We're really appreciative. And the last way that we can hear from you directly is via email. You can send us an email or a voice message at listening at wearecuriousfoxes.com. This episode is produced and edited by Nina Pollock, who we feel privileged to be in a relationship with. Our intro music is composed by Dev Saha. We are so grateful for their work and we're grateful to you for listening. As always, stay curious, friends. 
ideally auxiliary partners are um, essentially. Hold on, there's been an earthquake. Whoa, we're having an earthquake. One second. Oh, wow. Hold on. Yes, yes. Oh, aftershock. Right, okay, so we had an earthquake onwards. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the world, the world like was annoyed by your, your disdain for Valentine's Day. It like shook in protest. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> you um, will fall in line. <laughs> yes. Um, or it reflected my annoyance and, and That's took true. support. Whichever <laughs> um, like way that. you look at it. Uh, but yeah, anyway. Okay, let's go back. me shook. Um, let me just get get back into it <laughs> exactly i was just gonna say it pisses on everyone's relationships or probably not let's not say that Nina. i can hear simone in the kitchen singing to herself that's funny <laughs> curious fox podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic we solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story we encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind and we'll look forward to your feedback Stay curious, friends. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious.